0: Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. This is the scripture we've been looking at for the last two weeks and again this week. It's a command to God's people to break camp, to move, to take the hill country, and to go into the things that He's called them to. And they've come from slavery slavery under Pharaoh's rule in chains, as a people beaten, whipped, and bruised, and God takes them out of slavery, through the plagues, through the sea. They walk through a sea, and yet they get into the middle zone, this wilderness they were never meant to be forever. God speaks and says, I want you in the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and they get stuck, because in that land, there are enemies. In that land, there are challenges. In that land, there are things still to be overcome, and they thought, well, we're comfortable in the desert. And so they got comfortable. I preached last week in the morning about getting stuck in the slow lounge, how we can do life when we go to the airport and we get, love the slow lounge, but actually we're meant to be on the airplanes that are going to destinations. We get stuck sometimes in the places of comfort that we think we are safe and comfortable. But God's calling us to more. And where the series has come from is as a church, God is calling us to more. To be brutally honest, five years ago when we moved to Cape Town, there was no dream of city plants or multiple plants. I didn't even know you could do that stuff. I'm still not sure you can, (laughs) but God is reaching people, and as long as God is reaching, and I point to the wall, because we're not that bright, so we remind ourselves, we put it on the wall, reach far, that means reach those people who are far from Christ, and sometimes they're going to be far from us too, so we're going to reach, and we're going to extend, and we're going to pioneer, and we're going to take risks, because I honestly believe if the church aren't doing things that could fail, we're not stepping into faith, and as God calls us to more of these things, He's challenging us, He's saying, actually, I'm calling you to step out and to step into the more that I have for you. I'm calling you to break camp, which means to pick up some tent pegs that are deep, deep in the ground because you've got comfortable camping, but I want you in a promised land, not a land where more water dribbles from a rock. I want you in a land where milk and honey flow. And as we navigate that, we realize there was challenges because in their journey, there were enemies. I want to read that scripture again from Deuteronomy chapter 1. The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain, Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples in the Arabah, in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev, and along the coast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land The land swore, the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants. Can I show you a map of this land as it stood at the time with the enemies in it? It's not a massive piece of real estate, actually. It's this real estate that has always been fought for, that has always seemingly been precious. Nations have fought for it, and to this day, it's still a hotspot of land and territory that seems to be a fight for it. At the time, God said, I want you in that land, but there existed these challenges. And maybe your eyesight's not great. I'll read it to you. They look like Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Hivites, Perizzites, Canaan, and, and all these ites. These are hanging out in this land. And God's people look and they say, Well, we look back and God has done wonders, but we look forward, we just see enemies. And they have a challenge. And the challenge is this they worship a God of wonders, but they are struggling to see and understand that God has called them to be a people who step into wonders with Him. That He, they would be a people through whom God would do wonders. And as we navigate this, we understand that in every journey, and even st- faith decisions like baptism, there is a journey beyond that point to Megan and Cameron. If anyone's ever told you it's all going to be dandy now, it's going to be perfect. It's like life will just open up like a sea. There won't be any enemies. I'm going to tell you it's a lie. Jesus get baptized. What's the very next scripture? This is the very next scripture. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I'm not saying that's your journey, just relax. But there are challenges. And there will be enemies to face. Why? Because he wants to partner with us, not just in him doing miracles where we are the bystanders. He pulls us into his story. And the triune God says, I actually, I want to pull you into our story. I want you to win victories you never thought possible. And I want you to defeat enemies. I want to tell you some differences between being in the wilderness and being in the promised land. The first one is this. In the wilderness, we're survivors who are okay with Just enough. Just enough. If I just get enough water from this rock. So Moses claps the rock the first time, supposed to speak to it the next time, but water comes from a rock. If we just get enough manna for the day, if we just get, they get used to just enough. Now, survivors are good at just enough. And I'm telling you in this world and often in the church, there's a symptom and a challenge of just enough reality. And God is faithful. And you know, God did miracles to give them just enough, but he never called them to stay there. There's a stepping into understanding that we are sons and daughters of the living God and actually, we aren't just passing through. These survivors got used to, well, we're far too bad. If we just pass through this test, on the other side of this test, there's a breakthrough. Now, sons, understand, we don't just pass through. We occupy. We take territory, and we stake it for the kingdom of God, whether it's the darkness of our city or the darkness of my heart. There's territory to take, and it looks like a map sometimes, but actually, in reality, it's mostly my heart. It's mostly my heart, and there's a battle for that territory precious territory. Secondly, we live in the wilderness and it's meant to be this preparation zone where we're going through and we're learning what it is to follow a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. We're learning to follow God and His ways. We're learning to trust Him. But in the promised land, we're no longer in preparation. We are part of a story that occupies the land and sees victory for the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you, you just need to look at history that it's easier to take land than it is to occupy it after you've taken it. Just look at the political systems of our age and the nations that have freedom has been fought for and yet nations have tried to occupy and govern and lead those nations into freedom. It's not an easy job, but it's our mandate. Yours and mine, not just the privilege of a pastor, but every son and daughter of the living God. And in the wilderness, we get used to calling on God and in the wilderness was a land of miracles of provision and we learn that God is a provider. It's an incredible lesson to learn. And God gave them manna and He gave them water and He gave them everything they needed and somehow their clothes went through a whole generation and God sustained them. But in the promised land, God wants to take them to a land that just isn't a land where they would learn of the miracles of provision, they would enter a land of miracles where the king of miracles, the way maker moves his hand and we step into more and more and we believe for life, for freedom, for joy in every situation, in every context. And all of this, and the only difference between that wilderness position and stepping into this story of occupying the land is a simple thing called faith. A simple thing that pleases God, Hebrews tells us. The only thing that pleases God. The only thing we can bring. We don't need a lot. The Bible says a mustard seed of faith challenges us. See, in our lives, the promises of God require that the giants and the enemies in our lives are defeated. And I want to present to you tonight the seven enemies that they had to face in their journey when they ultimately went in with Joshua, laid out in Numbers chapter 7. Can you read with me, please? When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, the Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you, And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughter to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. This is what you are to do with them. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their Asherah poles, and burn their idols in the fire. For you are my people, holy to the Lord. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. It's an amazing thing. He says, actually, what you're going to do, you're going to face these seven enemies. Here's what I'm going to tell you about them. They are larger and stronger than you not just one of them, all seven of them. Sounds like a fun job. Sounds like that's a story. And and then, but it says this, God won't just, he will deliver them to you and then you must destroy them. Does that sound like the deal you bought into in Christianity? Didn't you think he would deliver them, destroy them, put them in a box, send them away, do all the dirty work? And this scripture tells us, no, actually they're these enemies. He's going to deliver them to you on a plate, but he's calling us to destroy them. He's calling us to then take down the Asherah poles, take down the places of worship in that story and destroy them so that they no longer exist. These enemies who occupied the land and the territory. And I would present to you tonight that these Aaron enemies in this territory aren't just some land we're called to take. We often, this isn't a picture of the city or the city and the enemies and everything. No, they are, but they don't exist there. They're in our hearts now. They steal, they limit, and make small the stories of the kingdom of God and God's children as we get caught up and overwhelmed by these areas. And as you look at these guys, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, I want to tell you that these names are chosen not just because that's how they came out, In those days and in ancient times, names for people, groups, or individuals would be chosen because of character traits, because of traditions, because of things they would do as communities and how they demonstrated themselves to others. They were named because of that. And I want to say, as we look at these things, I want to present seven enemies that aren't distant anymore, that aren't in a foreign land, that attack each and every heart each and every day. The first one are called the Hittites. Maybe you recognize these ones. The Hittites, um, they they literally, the name literally means terror. Their waging war was one that started well before the battle even started. They would put terror and fear into their enemy. They would put the heads of scouts on pillars and, and label them out so that the enemy that they would fight at that time was so fearful by the time battle came that they would be crippled with fear and terror. It's a... They they were a fierce nation that brought terror into the hearts of their enemies. And they would keep doing this. Why do you think when ultimately God's people went in with Joshua, the word to Joshua over and over again was be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Why? Because there was an enemy that put fear into the hearts of men. Why when those 12 spies went into the land, 10 mighty warriors come back. Oh, we can't do this. Uh, there's milk, and there's honey, and there's all sorts of things, and there's fruit, but we, we can't do this. Why? Because there was an enemy called fear. Why is it that marriages get stuck sometimes? Because there's an enemy called fear that if I have that conversation, or I touch that sensitive area of our marriage and relationship, or I speak into that thing, or I, that it might fall apart. And fear starts to grip. Why is it that, that Christian people who God called and convicted to lead in areas and marketplaces and start businesses, all of a sudden the, the situation becomes overwhelming? Because there's an enemy called fear and it's not a Hittite, some foreign land. It's in my heart. And he wants to shout. And he keeps shouting. And he keeps using the same tactics generations and thousands of years later to us. But there's land to take. What about the Gergashats? And these enemies, they mean dwellers of the clay, dwellers of the marsh, compromise or living in gray areas. That's what the name means. And these enemies, they were masters in compromise and bringing discouragement to God's people. And the challenge is if the enemy can't draw you into condemnation or discouragement, he'll just bring compromise into your story so we don't move. We get stuck in the mud. It's the same story with David. David, God's mighty king, this mighty warrior who defeated Goliath. I think if you defeated Goliath, you run into battle like the boss. You don't even kit up. You're just like, shh, I'm here. I'm the guy who deleted Goliath. And the other run. But that same warrior got to a place in his life where compromise entered and apathy entered his story. And while his army fought on the battlefield, he went home and took a holiday. He allowed apathy to dictate his story. And while he sat on that balcony, opportunity arose for chaos, and chaos invaded. Chaos is never far. Compromise opens the door. It's an enemy. That's not thousands of years ago. It's very much in my heart and your heart. What about the Amorites? And the Amorites made their home in the air of the mountains. High up in the mountains, the Amori is a word that means to do with publicity, they love being known as this exclusive people high up in the mountains that no one could touch them. They were beyond reach. Sound a little bit like our world where it's all about publicity. It's about the name you have, the esteem you have, and pride starts to enter in. There's an enemy, and it's not, we sometimes like to talk these Bible stories like there's a physical enemy coming to our door. So we're waiting at our door, and I'm telling you, most of the time it's already inside. And the decisions we make and the way we put our trust in Jesus and the way we go on the journey and enter into the land. He says, I'm I've, I've calling you. I will deliver those enemies to you. I will deliver fear to you. I will deliver compromise to you. I will deliver apathy to you. I will deliver pride to you. But you have to destroy it. Is this making sense to you? I look at these enemies and I realize Psalm 103 says, the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. Psalm 94 says, self and God cannot both sit on the throne. The workers of iniquity boast in themselves. There's one throne and it's not for me. And the decisions that determine who occupies that little territory that on a map is this big, but in my life is this big, is how I deal with these enemies. What about the Canaanites? And the Canaanites meant merchants who humiliate. And Canaan is this land that was on the seashore. They they were masters in trade. They had all sorts of cultures. There was um, all sorts of mixed cultures going on, but that mixed resulted in success, and people would go there to achieve success and to see financial gain and growth. And I think for us today, this enemy looks like materialism. It's never far from our hearts. And whether you have millions in the bank or you've got nothing in the bank, there's a desire for more. There's the desire. And you just need to see the lotto line on the lotto day. Everyone's desperate. It's not just economic recession times. It's the promise that on the other side of material wealth or material happiness, there is joy. And I think it's crept into the church, and it looks like something that God is my one arm bandit, and as long as I worship Him, I'm going to have material health, wealth, and happiness. Hashtag blessed on my bumper plates. I'm telling you, it's too small a picture of God. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't want to prosper his people at all. I think He very much does, but what He wants to occupy first, before a place in our bank accounts is a place in our hearts. And He brings these, He says, I will deliver materialism to you, but you have to destroy it. What about the Perizzites? And this tribe was, they were roaming tribe. They never bothered to build dwellings. They never bothered to build castles. They never bothered. What they would do is they would just wander around. They had no rule. They would just carry on. And, and, and as they carried on, they would steal from some. They would take from others. They had no discipline in their story. And in their no building, they had a characteristic of ill discipline or undiscipline in their story. And that's how they navigate, And they were fearful because of that fact they were unpredictable in the undiscipline. I want to tell you that there's an enemy at my door and there's an enemy at your door called discipline. I want to tell you that the other side of our discipline can be delight. That's what the Bible says, obedience. Obedience leads to life. It's better than sacrifice. Obedience pulls us into the things of God. But we have to discipline our lives. And for me, there's one regret. I don't have many regrets in life. But I've got one big one that I got saved at a very young age, and I didn't maximize the time to invest in the Word of God in my life at that age. He says, you want to know me? You want to walk into it more? Well, know my Word. And all the Word guys go, yeah, know the Word. And then he says, know my ways. And all the Spirit guys go, I'm going to just know his ways. But we call to know both. We call to discipline our lives to go in a pursuit of knowing his word and his ways. And as I surrender myself to the discipline, what happens is something that actually is hard. Can I just confess as a pastor? I don't always love reading Leviticus, it doesn't excite me. It's a bit weird, and there's some stuff going on. I've got to go research to understand what's actually going on. But as I delve into these things and I see the reasons for names, I realize those enemies are at my door too. And God says, I've shown you my word. I'll show you my ways. I'll walk with you. I want to tell you, one of the enemies at our door that we want to call by a name, something far off and something distant is very much inside our house. It's called ill discipline. And it's an enemy to the forward advancing of our stories. And I am guilty. But God says, I want to take the land, and if i to take the land, I'm going to deliver these enemies to you, but I need you to destroy them. Proverbs 29 puts it this way. It says, where there is no vision from God, the people run wild. A vision from God is clarity. It requires discipline to pursue that. And it's a challenge for most. What about the Jebusites, the last one? Because maybe you're, ch- you, you're wondering, how does this all come together? Well, the Jebusites literally means the trodden underfoot, the down tramplers, or the verb is to trample down. And if the enemy can't get you through fear, if he can't get you through ill discipline, if he can't get you through compromise, he will work and work an age-old strategy, a thousands of years-old strategy to bring discouragement into your story and we walk around like the israelites would have been in a desert going Our god is great he does a miracle he's a wonder working god praise the king of kings but i'm still going to walk around the desert cuz that's obviously for someone else and courage leads leaves our story and discouragement is an enemy discouragement is an enemy that stands at our door and shouts accusations shouting accusations at each and every one is it possible overcome all these enemies well I will tell you and I believe it actually doesn't take all seven of these enemies to stop us walking into the more that God has for us it actually just takes one for God's people they were all seven but in our lives and in our stories sometimes it's just one for a little lady named Maureen there was fear that was gripping and ripping her life but God starts to break into that story and uses a powerful group of ladies and friends to pray with her to care for her to equip her, to call her, to more, to remind her that there's a story and a future for her, by showing her the Word of God and by showing her the ways of God. And for someone else, it's compromise. And I, I, well, on Sunday, I love worshiping Jesus, and like Cameron said, there's this compromise. This, but I, but I also love the world, and we start doing this, and eventually, unless you're very supple, this starts going wrong, and we get caught in a place where we are lukewarm. Stuck in the middle, and God says, "I actually can't pull you into more. I can't take you into more. I've got more for you." And I don't know this seems like a heavy word, but I'm telling you, as I preach this, I'm speaking to myself, and these enemies stand at my door every day, and as we're driving to the city, on Wednesday, I'm standing there going, "I feel like a grasshopper, just like those spies felt. What are we doing planting another church? This is crazy. Just stay in this place, stay comfortable, maximize your resources. It doesn't make sense. It's too hard. And then you drive into the city and you see the high buildings and you see a whole bunch of things. And in my head, I'm going, I know personally three churches that have closed down services in the city this year. And I st- let me just confess something to you. As I started that meeting on Wednesday night and I had the mic and I'm calling people to a God story. Inside of me is a little grasshopper going, I mean, I don't actually know what noise a grasshopper makes. I was going to try, but then I realized I don't know what it makes. So I'm not going to, but I'm feeling like a grasshopper. You know when it changed? When we started worshiping Jesus. When I started to fix my eyes upon Jesus, and I fixed my gaze upon the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I realized it has nothing to do with me. It's got nothing to do with me. He delivers my enemies to me, and he says, destroy them. He's broken them on the cross. He's won our freedom on the cross. And he says, you can look at yourself and you'll see a grasshopper, but look at me and see what I see. I see overcomers. I see occupiers. I see sons and daughters of the living God. Oh, your marriages in a mess. Look at me and see what I see. Someone who can have the tough conversations, navigate with grace and truth, and pull a story into more. Your business isn't a mess. Well, I sat with a friend of mine the other day who I've told a testimony many times before in this church about what God did 10 years ago. I got to sit with him on Wednesday as he stepped away from a massive job with a massive salary because over all these years, he's always had a heart to see upliftment and change come to this nation. And so he steps with his brother and a friend to a venture capital space. How are you going to do this? Where's the money going to come from? They don't know. So he disciplines himself, and his family endure the reality of doing an MBA for a number of years and sacrificing because God's called him to something. And I got to sit with him on Wednesday as he's been in this space for six months. And a year ago, he had 35 million rand to invest, which sounded like a lot at the time. Now he has over 400 million rand of people's money to invest because God has put his grace upon his life to see life come to this nation. And he's investing in businesses that are going down to see upliftment come. He's investing in the advancing of the kingdom in the workspace. And I want to tell you, it looks like that. But to do that, you've got to face up to fear. You've got to face up to compromise. You've got to face up to a whole bunch of enemies who are at the door shouting. So maybe, here's the list. Fear, apathy, pride, materialism, a lack of discipline, deception, discouragement. I say it only takes one to keep us out. And this is what Paul said at the end of his story. Paul, whose poster for Christianity would have been this. I've been whipped five times, 40 minus one. That's 39, just in case. And, um. Sorry, Matt's not a strength. And then he said, I've been shipwrecked multiple times. I've been without food. I've been without water. Come to Jesus. Follow him. I've never heard that at a crusade. But this is what he wrote at the end of his story. He said in 2 Timothy 4, I fought the good fight. Are you prepared to fight a fight? Because if you're not, Christianity is going to be hard. And you're going to feel like you're stuck for many years. There's some fights to fight. He says, I've run finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will allow to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for His appearing. Can you stand with me tonight? God has delivered some enemies, and He's wanting to to defeat them, destroy them. And it's not easy. And those battles will look different for each and every person, but it's the same grace. And those battle places will be different for each and every person, but it's the same king and his power. And the voice of the enemy shouting in fear, or compromise, or anxiety, or whatever, your enemy is shouting at you. God's calling you to take land, first and foremost, this land, and then to see his kingdom come to this earth. That's who we are. It's our mandate. If you don't know what your job is as a Christian, that's it. Not just to do time and get to heaven one day and go, Hey, Jesus, I did time. And he'll say, Oh, my servant, you don't understand what I gave you. I delivered your enemy to you on a plate. I'm not saying it'll be easy. No, that's why the word comes, be strong and courageous. Can you say this with me? God wants to do miracles through me. Let me say it one more time. God wants to do miracles through me. Can you close your eyes just for a second? You see what's just happened? In that split second the enemy started to shout in some of your minds. said, actually, I'm fear, and I'm telling you, back down, because on that journey, you can't do it. For some of you, the enemy started reminding you of where you were last night or the thoughts you had last night. Can you say it again? God God wants to do miracles through me. I'm telling you, it's one of the greatest things we as the church struggle to get. And it's because the land he wants in our heart is often occupied by his enemies. He's saying, I want to get rid of those enemies so that my life can come. I'm going to read this list. And if any of these enemies are shouting in your life, I'd love to pray with us and for us tonight. Fear. If fear shouts at you in your door, apathy, pride, materialism, a lack of discipline or deception or discouragement. If any, any of these enemies are playing in your story to take you out, will not you lift your hands with me? And I'd love to pray with us. I'd love to pray with us not because, because we can feel better in this place. I want to pray with us because there's territory and land to occupy. There's business people called to step out in faith ventures and trust God. There's marriages that need to step into new territories of freedom and life and joy. And there are relationships that require tough conversations that the gospel and the gospel alone can heal. But it's territory we have to take. And God, as we stand here tonight in your presence, on our own steam and in our own power, we can do nothing. And we will be overrun by our enemies. But with our God, with our King, with the Lord of all the ages and the King of kings, we can stand and we can, we can declare defeat to these voices of fear. Right now, God, where fear rules and reigns in lives and hearts, Fear of safety, fear of future, fear of finances or the lack of finances, fear of relationships, whatever it is. I speak silence to that voice now. Silence to that voice now. Where compromise is a voice always at the door. If you just watered this, John, if you just did a little less, if you just trusted Jesus on a Sunday, but you gave me Monday, I promise you, you'll be fine. I pray right now those voices would be silenced in every heart. I pray for my heart and I pray for our hearts, God. I pray that we would truly believe what your word says. That you are a God of wonders, but you want to do wonders through your sons sons and daughters at this time. And it's going to look like churches being planted. It's going to look like men and women going to the nations full of your spirit and power. It's going to look like young people making decisions to follow Jesus. It's going to look like many things. But ultimately... The one on the throne and him alone will get the glory. Jesus, get all the glory. Jesus, get all the praise. Can you say it with me one more time? Will you repeat after me? The God of wonders wants to do wonders through me. And no voice that shouts at my front door will limit the promises of God over my life. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, King. We give you glory and honor.